Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for smart, successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And today I'll be joined by a guest to give you an inside look at the work I do with my clients. This is your opportunity to learn through someone else's experience. They may even ask a question you have or one you haven't even thought of yet. So keep an open mind, open heart, and let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm super excited to be connecting with you in your earbuds again this week. And I am getting pretty far ahead in my episodes because this might be the first episode that I'm officially on maternity leave. So is the baby here as you're listening to this? I don't know. The best way to find out is probably my Instagram. I'm Veronica E. Grant. And while I won't be posting an overload of baby pictures, I certainly will be making some sort of an announcement at some point after the baby arrives. So for the next three months, the podcast will come out weekly like normal. The first and third Thursdays of the month will continue to be brand new coaching episodes. And then the second and fourth Thursdays will be either a guest expert or a solo episode. And most of those are going to be repeats. Now I've carefully curated which episodes I want to rebroadcast. And if you're a new listener, then you won't even know the difference. But of course, if you are a longtime listener, you might have listened to some of these episodes previously. And I really, really encourage you to listen to them again. Because this work that we do here is not just about knowing more stuff. And in fact, if you've ever taken my workshop, Five Steps to Ending Overwhelm and Anxiety and Love and Dating, then you might remember when I talk about this concept of edutaining. A lot of the women, and I'm sure you might be in this category, in this community, are very, very good at edutaining yourselves. You listen to a lot of podcasts, maybe you've taken some courses, maybe you've read a bunch of books on self-help or 
dating and relationships and you have all this knowledge, all this awareness, you could probably write your own dating self-help book, but there's this lack of actually integrating it and applying it into your life. So if you do come across an episode while I'm away on maternity leave and you're like, hey, I think I've listened to this before. So I really encourage you to listen to the episodes that we re-air while asking yourself, am I applying this in my life? Yes, I might know this concept, but am I actually doing it? And I think that when you can listen to some of these episodes from that perspective, then you might begin to see more shifts in your love life and your life as a whole. Okay, so I'm really excited about today's episode because it's actually a question that comes up a lot with my clients. And it's actually a big hesitation as to why some women don't want to do the work that I teach or want to work with me in general. And that is because they feel like they can't remember what went on in their childhood. And they want to change their love life pattern. But they're like, well, Veronica, if I can't remember anything from childhood, then how can I do any of this work that you teach? How can anything possibly change? So the question is, if that's you or my caller today, is she doomed? And you can probably guess my answer, which is definitely not. And I have a lot to say in the recap after my coaching call with Lori, but I want you to listen to this episode with a really fresh perspective without my opinions or bias before you listen. So we're going to go ahead and get right into it. But I do encourage you to listen to the recap after our coaching call, because I'm going to explain a little bit more about the process that Lori went through and what you can do if you feel like you struggle to remember your childhood, or struggle to connect the dots or understand how things that happened 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever years ago are applying and playing out in your life right now. So with that, let's get on with the episode and into my coaching call with Lori. Hi, Lori. Welcome to the show. How can I help? I have a question of I'm 55 years old. Mm -hmm. I was little very long time ago. I have good memories of my uh, childhood and I just I know there's something and I just don't know how to heal something that you don't remember. Okay. Okay. How do you know there's something? I remember, remember not liking my mother. I love her dearly, but I didn't like her as a person mm-hmm. very much. And um, I know now, like when I, probably by the time I was 12 or so, I realized that she's really not a nice lady. hmm Mm-hmm. And I uh, remember being a kid, I was sick a lot as a kid, but I also remember just crying a lot in my room, like just crying a lot. Yeah. And do you know why you were crying? No, I remember being angry. That's really all I remember. I don't really know why. You don't know why you're angry? No. Okay. And why yeah. do you want to remember your childhood? Like, what is it in your life now that you want to shift? I don't think I actually want to remember. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just feel that, I don't know, I have a lot of repeating patterns with the men I've had in my life since my divorce and even, you know, my marriage. I see a lot of, uh, there's narcissism, there's alcoholism, there's a few other things that I see is is recurrent. And uh, I also have this desperation to be loved. And I know that's, I know I am loved by others, but Mm-hmm. I know it's not in proper proportion. Mm-hmm. What do you mean not in proper proportion? Well, that because I know I have love from my family and my friends. So I do feel loved and I know my parents loved me. So then why 
am I so all consumed with being loved by a man? Mm-hmm. It's because knowing that you were loved by your parents isn't enough, unfortunately. Okay. You have to feel it and believe it, especially when you were little. Like, And as an adult, looking back at whatever you can or can't remember from childhood, you can look back at your childhood or your parents and say, you know what? They were doing the best they could. They were struggling with X, Y, Z. They were raised this way. And you can very much rationalize it, right? And there is some good in that. And there is some healing in that just to be able to separate yourself from your parents' behavior. But when you're a kid, you don't get that, right? Right. Kids don't understand, oh, this is my mom projecting, you know, her stuff on me, (laughs) said no (laughs) five-year-old. And so you have no choice, but when you're a little kid, no matter the age, at some point, usually during like maybe high school, adolescence, maybe even older, depending, kids can begin to realize, oh, my parents' behavior is not about me. Right. Yeah. It was well in my twenties, I think when I realized that they were their own people, human beings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So you have this desperate need to feel loved, alcoholism and narcissism showing up in your relationships. Yeah. And the funny thing is my parents were non-drinkers, but <laughs> for, I think, um, six relationships, uh, five of them were alcoholics. Okay. Okay. And what about narcissism? Was there, do you think your parents were narcissists in some ways? Um, or even had narcissistic tendencies? Well, my mother was an extremely critical person. She would find somebody in the family and pick on them for years, even if it was somebody like my husband, my children, like it didn't matter who they were related to you. She would pick, 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 pick. And then two of my sisters do the same thing. And even though my mother has passed, my sisters are continuing and, you know, giving us all kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, is that I'm just learning about narcissists because my last relationship was one. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that the same kind of thing? I, I don't know. Well, possibly, um, you know, narcissistic personality disorder is actually like a diagnosable, you know, mental right. disorder from the DSM. So, you know, I'm not in the business of diagnosing my clients or their partners or family members or whatever. I think actually true narcissistic personality disorder is quite rare. I think most people who exhibit those kinds of characteristics just have narcissistic tendencies that result from a lack of love, especially in childhood. Right. And so, you know, people like just like, like, Oh, that person's a narcissist. That ex is a narcissist. And you know, whether or not they're actually narcissists, who knows? I would classify it as mean, <laughs> like yeah. the simple term that they're mean people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you want my help today in figuring out why you're attracting these kinds of relationships or remembering your childhood? How can I best support you? I think it's probably better to see why I'm attracting these kind of people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And are you in a current relationship or situationship with someone like that? No. Okay. No. All right. So go ahead and close your eyes for me. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to, you can either think of one specific situation or relationship that you were in that made you just feel really triggered, really awful, brought up all your stuff, 
or you can just think generally how you feel in your love life, whichever one is, it's totally fine. Whatever just comes to your mind first and is easier to grasp onto. Okay. And just tell me when you can feel that. Yeah, I feel it. Okay. And what does it feel like? I'm confused. I don't understand. And it just hurts. Mm-hmm. It just hurts. Like, um, it makes me feel like, well, that I'm not loved. Yeah. And what does that remind you of? It just kind of goes back to my whole life. Okay. Yeah, just kind of an emptiness sitting alone and crying all by myself. Mm-hmm. From when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And how old do you feel in those memories? Very little, like about three or four. And if you had to guess, what do you think she was crying about? My guess is some comment or some rejection. And I I have a memory of sitting outside by myself, outside with, with my dog, crying at my dog. That's what I remember. So I imagine I might have been sent out of the house. And why do you think you might have been sent out of the house? Probably for some kind of acting up behavior because I know that's how I got the attention. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't get attention from at least one of your parents in the way that you wanted? Perhaps not. That's what I don't really remember. But I remember sitting outside feeling really alone. Yeah. Sorry. And just, I remember having to talk to the dog. I remember petting the dog and. Mm. Yeah. And the dog listened? He did. He sat still and he sat quiet and he was normally a hyper dog, but he sat still and quiet and let me pet him and let me cry at him. Oh, so sweet. And what did this little girl have to say? I just want to be loved. What else? That it just really, really hurts. Mm-hmm. Anything else? All that's really coming is is just pain and loneliness and just feeling so rejected and unloved. Yeah. And what would you, meaning you, like your present-day self, what would you want to tell this little girl? And try talking to her as if she was sitting, you know, like if it was her on the other side of the Zoom call, not me that I do love you and I want to hold you and I want to hug you and I want to make you feel loved. Mm-hmm. What else? I don't know. She's got a lot of shit to go through in the future. <laughs> You've got to be strong. Well. <laughs> but in order to be strong, you got to be loved. <laughs> you got to feel loved. Well, I would say being strong is overrated. Yeah. (laughs) It's okay to, quote unquote, fall apart, you know, be vulnerable, have emotions, all the things that we don't think of as as being strong. Can I offer some some reflections? I can see the connection. Yeah. I can see that now that. You know, every time I've gone into a relationship, it's uh, it's head over heels. It's yeah, I can I can see that because I just 
desperately want to be loved by somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's stop calling it desperately want to be loved. It's not desperate to want to be loved. Okay. There's a very deep longing and a very deep wound of not feeling loved. And as humans, we all want to feel loved, safe, and like we belong. And pretty much all of our blocks and patterns can root back to one of those three things. I talk a lot about doing the deep work on this podcast. And if you're like many women, you might be wondering, what is the deep work? I've been to therapy, so how is that different? And most important, you might be wondering, all right, Veronica, how do I do it? And how will it change my life? If that's you, I've got great news. I've created a brand new, totally free workshop called Attract Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul. In this on-demand workshop, you'll learn why most women do all the right things, read books, listen to the podcast, even go to talk therapy, but nothing changes in their love life. I'll also walk you through my deep work, deep love framework, so you know exactly what you can do to start attracting better fitting and healthier relationships. And you'll learn how to overcome the number one obstacle to your love life transforming. Whether you have no idea why you attract who you attract, or you know your patterns, but you can't seem to shift them, you'll go from feeling stuck to knowing exactly what you need to do to move forward. Again, this workshop is totally free and you can watch it right now. Head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash soulmate to sign up. From my point of view, there's a couple things. You remember more than you think. Okay. And you remember more than enough to do inner child work. Okay. Right. You don't have to know exactly what happened. And even if you did have a memory, but it wasn't, you know, the correct memory, like that didn't actually happen in the way that you remembered, that part doesn't actually really matter because what matters is how you feel about what you believed happened. And so the fact that you can very clearly remember yourself sitting on the porch, crying and talking to your dog and feeling alone, you know, no one does that because their mother was just nurturing them with so much love. No. (laughs) (laughs) So we can infer that you didn't feel loved. You didn't get your needs met. Right. And sure, maybe you got the physical needs met. Maybe there was food on the table, your head, things like that. But it's very clear to me that you didn't get your emotional needs met. Right. And again, when you're little, especially when you're that little, three or four years old, you internalize it. You take it personally because you don't know what else to do with that information or that feedback that you're getting from your parents. Because remember, at this point, your parents aren't human. They're your parents. Yeah. Yeah. So what's coming up for you? I don't know what to do with this. (laughs) I don't know. Um, It's a funny thing because... You know, I I love my parents dearly, mm-hmm. and it's kind of hard to register that they didn't make me feel as loved as I needed. But that doesn't make them bad people. That doesn't make them bad parents. No, no, I I agree with that. They were doing the best they could, mm-hmm. and doing this work doesn't have to negate the love that you have for them. And that can be part of the resistance, part of, or not wanting to remember, could be the guilt. 
it could also be that there's just some things that are really painful that you don't want to go back and deal with. The brain has a way of just blocking that out for safety. But again, like, you know, if this was therapy, it'd be like, okay, let's rehash everything. Tell me everything about your mom and your dad, but this isn't therapy, right? This is coaching. Yeah. And from my point of view, like you don't need to know everything or remember everything, just a couple of key memories. Sometimes I call it core memories are really all you need to get the ball rolling. Because at this point, all we're working on doing is healing the core wound so that you don't need men to fill that wound or heal that wound for you. Because that's where the narcissism, the control, the alcoholism can come in. Because one thing that all of those things have in common is, and I don't know if this was a pattern in your childhood, but there might have been some pattern where you wanted attention from either your mom or your dad or maybe another adult in your family. And so you wanted to be the good girl. I did what was expected. There was a lot of control. There was a lot of strict religion. I did what was expected. But at the same time, I remember acting out a lot. Mm -hmm. Just Do you you act out? And I mean, I put that in quotation marks because... I don't think we really act out as adults with partners, but do you feel like in your relationships, do you feel like that same kind of pattern existed where like you were the good girlfriend or the good wife and then you just like, you know, you lost it because you weren't getting your needs met ultimately. And at some point you just exploded. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially in the, in the last one. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so my guess is that was what probably the pattern was when you were little too. I don't, I mean, you could have been trying to like kiss up and like, you know, sweep the floor or something to help your mom, or it could have just been like, all right, I'm just going to be a good girl and do as I'm told and follow the rules. But then at some point you're like, I'm still not getting the attention that I want and I'm doing all the things and you, and you lost it. Okay. Yeah. That makes more, that makes more sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel generally I did what I was told. But then I also remember, I am a great passive aggressive. <laughs> so I also remember doing, I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I remember the repercussions <laughs> from my behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then when you're quote unquote bad, when you're, especially when you're little and that's when you get the attention, that's when you get the punishment. Then that can even further along a story that you're telling yourself of like, oh, I'm not good. Something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm you know, my behavior is not good. I'm not good. Rather than being able to see the full picture of like, I wasn't getting attention. I was just trying to get attention. And I was just trying to get love. Right. Mm -hmm. So the way to heal this Mm -hmm. is only you, you know, when you talk about that desperation to feel love, even though we're not using that word anymore, I'm, you know, using your words for a moment, (laughs) you are really the only one that can fill that void. Right. Because if that void's empty, then it makes a lot of sense that someone with alcoholic tendencies, control tendencies, narcissistic tendencies can just kind of, you know, latch right in to that void and carry you along for the ride. And they may consciously be aware of what they're doing and what's going on, or they may not. I would say most of the time, actually, they're not. 
that immediately creates toxic relationship. It creates an enmeshment, an enabling situation, codependency, like all of these things that you Mm -hmm. want to end. But if you're able to reparent yourself and meet your own emotional needs, especially of that little girl's, then that void like isn't able to be latched into because literally it's filled up. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. not an overnight process. Newsflash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in terms of making this tangible, I really encourage you to, you know, continue the conversation that we did. You know, we just did a very brief, you know, going back to this memory of you sitting on the porch and talking to your little girl. I encourage you to do that a lot more. Okay. I encourage you to let her, you know, respond and talk and share. You know, so wonderful she had that dog. To, yeah. To talk to. <laughs> yeah. And now she has you. And you can do that through talking out loud. Um, if you do it through talking out loud, I really like to set up two chairs and have one chair where you're like talking from the perspective of your current day self, and then the other chair where you're talking from the perspective of your child self, and then you just, you know, switch the chairs back and forth. Some people prefer like the pen to paper thing, and that gets them going a little bit more so you can do like a pin pal situation i would put up some pictures of yourself when she was that young and put them somewhere you can see them regularly and send her love on a daily basis you don't really have to do like the inner child sitting down having a conversation every day although i would definitely do it a lot especially at the beginning and then when you are dating or talking to someone or meeting someone or texting with someone online or whatever, stop and ask yourself, like, do I want this person to write me back? Do I want this person to ask me another date? Do I want this person to love me because I'm genuinely interested in them or because I just want that void filled and ask yourself who's calling the shots. And if it's your little girl calling the shots, then either in that moment, if possible, or at least as soon as possible afterwards, you know, pause and say, it's okay. This isn't your parents' house anymore. Basically talk her off the ledge through like your own yeah. inner parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I can see that I've been doing that. Yeah. That I've put it in their control and cause there's been relationships where even the last one I'm going, why do I love him? And I realized it's only because he says he loved me. Mm-hmm. There was no, nothing else. I couldn't find another reason for myself. Yeah. I, I loved him. Yeah. And I can um, see that last few. I have an old podcast you might want to listen to. Somehow, some podcast episodes, I just remember the number. It's episode 111. So it's an old podcast. And it's called, and I'm probably going to be wrong now because I'm saying it on the podcast, but I'm pretty sure it's episode 111. And it's called Three Relationships You're Confusing with Love. Okay. And when we are in a relationship where someone has latched on to our void or our core wound, it definitely feels like love because it feels good. Mm -hmm. because you are longing to feel loved, especially by your parents, because that's like that unconditional love that we all deserve and you Mm -hmm. deserve and you didn't get it. 
And so when someone comes into your life and you think it's that unconditional love from mom and dad that you didn't get, it's just very easy to confuse it with love. So that might be a helpful episode to listen to just um, in conjunction with this work as well. Mm-hmm. All right. How are okay. you feeling? I do feel better. Good. Good. What are your takeaways? I'll listen to 111. <laughs> I know I have before because I remember looking at, at that before and it and go and me thinking, oh, maybe I don't know what love is. <laughs> so I will listen to 111. Well, let me just pause. Uh, you do know what love is, and you know it because of that yeah. with me with your dog. Yes. Yeah. Your dog loved you. He did. <laughs> and you loved that dog. Yeah. And I'm gonna go. I'll try the chair to chair thing to talk to my little girl. Mm-hmm. I will go find some pictures because okay. I know at my dad's house there are pictures. So I'll go find some pictures. And if I have trouble with that, I'll do the writing. I'm, I'm very long-winded at journaling. So that might be my, my thing. Yeah. There's no better or worse, right or wrong when it comes to writing versus talking aloud. It's really just a preference and what helps you go deeper. Some people are able to talk it out better and some people are able to write it out and get Mm -hmm. more into the core issues and then you know whenever you are feeling triggered whether it's by a family member or someone you're dating or even a friend or a coworker or whoever ask yourself who's calling the shots here and that will help you take the inner work that you're doing and use that information and those tools very much in the outer world so that you can begin to make different choices. And that's when the patterns will change. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, my dear, you've got this. Okay. As always, thank you so much, Lori, for coming onto the show. I so appreciate your vulnerability and willingness to ask this question. This is a big question that I hear a lot among my clients. And she starts her question out by asking, how can she do the inner child work when she doesn't remember much of her childhood? And I just want to say that she prefaces this with saying she's 55. And I have worked with clients somewhere in their mid-20s, and my oldest client has been somewhere in her mid-60s. And I hear this a lot from all the age groups. So I really believe that Time doesn't necessarily make things harder to remember. I think sometimes we block out memories for specific reasons, which I'll get into. But more often than not, key memories, core memories that really had a huge impact on how you see yourself, men, women, love, relationships, the world, all of those things, they are going to feel like that they happened yesterday. And they are going to continue to be very vivid, stark memories in your mind's eye, regardless if they happened 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever, however long ago they were. And those are the memories that I really, really want you to pay attention to because those are the core memories. Those are the memories in which your patterns most likely come from. And the nice thing about inner child work is that you don't have to remember a lot. Like I said to Lori, what you remember doesn't actually have to be what actually happened. What matters is how you feel about 
what happened, because that ultimately creates your viewpoint. And that's where your patterns come from. Remember, Lori was sitting outside with her dog and feeling really lonely and upset and unloved and hurt and sad. And she doesn't really remember exactly what happened that you know, created that condition where she was sitting outside talking to her dog really upset. Now we can make some guesses based on what we know about her mother and the memories that she does have. But it doesn't matter what happened right before that memory. All we have to know is that she was outside and she was feeling really lonely. And she was feeling in her words, desperate to be loved. And that has been a continuing theme throughout her life. And that's all the information that we need in order to get into the healing work. So when you're not sure how your current experience relates to your childhood, or when you're not really sure what happened, or when your memory feels a little foggy, I want you to try the process I took Lori through. And so just to remind you, what I had her do was I had her close her eyes and think about either a very specific instance in her relationships or just generally how she feels in her love life and how she felt, where she felt in her body, what emotions come up, what thoughts come up, what stories come up. And then once that feels really clear, then you ask yourself, what does that remind you of? When have you felt like that before? You know, if it's a pattern, then it's not the first time and it didn't come out of nowhere. And Lori was immediately taken back to her childhood when she just felt alone. I'm pretty sure the first memory that she talked about was crying in her bedroom. Again, she doesn't know exactly why she was in there. We can take some guesses based on other things that we know. But you can keep asking yourself, well, why was I crying? Why was I upset? How did I know that I didn't feel loved? And again, if you don't have the exact details, that's okay. You can make some, again, good guesstimates, but also you can just know that if you're crying in your room, feeling really, really alone, it's probably not because you just had a super nurturing interaction with your mom. And I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb and say the same thing is probably true for Lori. Now, we know that some of her mom's tendencies was to pick on people. So I can only imagine Lori experienced that too. And that probably started out fairly young because, again, her mother's pattern didn't just come out of nowhere, right? Her mom is a human and has her own inner child stuff and her own core issues and her own core wounds. And that is definitely going to continue to get played out until she decided to do something about it or not. But that didn't just show up randomly for Lori. So my guess is that she experienced that too, which created the feeling of not feeling good enough, not feeling loved. And that then went on to create the patterns that she experienced as an adult. And to go even deeper here, it became fairly clear early on in our conversation that, yes, she didn't feel loved by her parents. And we talked mostly about her mother here. We didn't really talk about how father might have played into this. But what's most important to recognize here is that she didn't get her emotional needs met. Having your physical needs met, like a warm house and food, obviously that's very important for survival. But as humans, that is not all of what she needs. And the fact that she didn't get her emotional needs met by her parents does not make her parents wrong or bad. Though some of that guilt of believing that maybe it's making her parents wrong or bad could be a block to some of her memories. It's simply about recognizing that 
your needs were met, some of them and some of them weren't. And then you just got to do the work from there and have a very, yep, this is how it is. And this is the work that I need to do kind of perspective, because otherwise the guilt can be consuming, especially if you really have a deep reverence and a deep love for your parents the way that Lori does. And inner child work does not have to take away any of that. And she kept saying throughout the call, especially earlier on in the conversation, that she was desperate for love. But I wanted her to change that language because she's not desperate. And I do think that this is more than just semantics. And I do think it's important that we look at the things that we tell ourselves. Because I think humans need to feel loved. I think that is a very basic human need. And that doesn't make anyone desperate. And again, she didn't feel loved by her parents, which creates the pattern of kind of latching herself onto these men who had some narcissistic tendencies, controlling tendencies, alcoholic tendencies, because that created the pattern in which she was able to be, quote unquote, the good girl or the good wife or the good girlfriend. And then, of course, at some point, she would reach her breaking point. But that very much reflected the relationship or the pattern that she had with her parents, where she would be the good girl and try to be the good daughter, the good kid. And then at some point, she would just freak out because she still wasn't getting her needs met, right? So a big part of her healing will be to fulfill her own emotional needs so that she can receive love in a way that's healthier in a future relationship. Now, her previous relationships weren't really love. It's basically someone hitching up inside her open wound, which again, can feel really good, but that's not love. And if you want to hear me talk more about that, I encourage you to listen to episode 111. It's linked in the show notes, or you can go to veronicagrant.com forward slash 111. And in that episode, I talk about three relationships you're confusing with love. And this is one that I talk about a little bit more. So as you embark on your own inner child work journey to shift your dating patterns and your love life patterns, here's what I want you to keep in mind. You don't have to rehash everything. Like I said to Lori, this is not therapy. We don't have to go through all the things that happen. And there is a lot of healing in that. And there can be a lot of good that comes from that. But for what I'm talking about here and for the process that I'm teaching here, I don't think you need to do that. I think a few core memories are more than enough. And if you know you weren't happy in childhood or you remember crying, like I asked Lori, ask yourself, how do you know that? Why do you think you felt that way? And again, you don't have to have the exact memory or the exact play-by-play, but if you know things weren't quite ideal, let's say, there's something in there that allows you to know that information. And so go off of that. And more than likely, that'll be more than enough for you to embark on the inner child journey. Don't worry about having all the details right. Don't worry about the he said, she said, or exactly how old you were, or exactly what happened, or exactly what that fight was about, etc. And then finally, inner child work is not a referendum on your parents. Like I said to Lori, your parents are human. But when you're a little kid, you don't realize that they're just a human, right? And you don't realize that they're projecting their own pain and their own stuff onto you. A five-year-old does not have that cognitive ability. Yes, as an adult, you can recognize that and you can definitely have some awareness around that, but that is not going to heal your patterns. It can be helpful to recognize that, but that is not enough. You have to do the inner emotional work to heal the emotional wound. You cannot rationalize yourself through an emotional wound. 
So if you want more support in this, I highly recommend you check out my self-study e-course, Crappy to Happy, where I walk you through this exact process of doing the inner child work. And we dig a lot deeper than I'm able to do on this show. It's a perfect thing to work on also while I'm away on maternity leave. And you do get a coaching session as part of the program, which you can cash in on in January. So that'll give you plenty of time to not only go through the course, go through the steps, maybe even a couple times, try it, apply it, see how it plays out in your love life. And then you can bring, hey, this is what happened, or this is how I got stuck or whatever. You can bring all of that to our coaching session so we can really dive in and make sure that you know any blocks or any hiccups, so to speak, can get ironed out so that you can be well on your way to your inner child healing and also to shifting your dating and love patterns. Plus, if you decide that you do want to work more closely with me and you do need more support, then what the e-course can offer, then your crappy to happy investment will be applied towards a future coaching package with me. So you don't have to double pay. So head over to veronicagrand.com forward slash courses to learn more about the program and sign up. Okay, my dear, that is it for today's episode. If you love this show, please take a moment to leave a review and share it with your friends. It really, really helps me to grow the show. And I so, so appreciate it. I will also be sure to post a baby update if I haven't already, because again, by the time I'm recording this, no clue when this baby is coming. Uh, It'll most likely be via Instagram, but don't worry, it will not turn into a baby feed. I'm Veronica E. Grant, and I'd love to connect with you there. Okay, until next time, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.